Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I am here with Chloe Wareham-Gordon, and she is the founder of Digital Dancer Social Media, along or as well as one of the most interesting digital agency owners I've ever met. Chloe, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I know that's cliche to say, but I'm very honored and lucky to be here. I feel like a real grown-up and professional and agency <laughs> owner, and I know I'm in some fantastic ranks with uh, other awesome owners. Yeah, I feel like if if it's required to have two grown-ups, then we wouldn't be able to have the show. But at least with you here, we've got one accounted for. So <laughs> I just would love to start with your background and how you got into this crazy marketing world. What kind of launched you and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's been an odyssey. Uh, ironically, it happened before I was born, like way before I was born, because uh, my dad was born in 1926 and I was born in 1995. So it's he was 68 when I was conceived. Um, he was this huge madman, uh, living the madman life, you know, various mistresses and drinking during meetings, all that fun <laughs> jazz. Uh, but he was brilliant. He was known for turning corporations and companies around. Like when Eastern Airline had a really negative customer service sentiment, he created the Sunrise at Eastern campaign, which turned it around. So they didn't fail at that point. They ended up going bankrupt several years later, but at least they were all good for a bit. He delayed that. Um, but he eventually created his own agency called Gordon and Short. Um, his biggest idea was to have modern artist Alexander Calder paint two actual commercial commercial jetliners, a Boeing 747 uh, and a DC-8. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. I, I've lost all my marbles. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a Boeing, because I know the aviation geeks um, if they Google what I just said, um, I'm going to get a lot of hate. Oh, that's real. Yeah. Um, so, it was a, a Boeing 727. Um, okay. And yes, I would recommend going to look at them on Google. They're absolutely breathtaking. And it's this ambitious idea. I have no idea how it occurred to him. But yeah, he essentially went up to Alexander Calder and was like, dude, I want you to paint two commercial airplanes. And uh, Calder was like, hey, I don't paint toys. And he's like, no, no, I, I mean actual commercial jet jetliners. <laughs> um, and it was a major success. Uh, Betty Ford actually came out to the inauguration of the first Flying Colors plane. Um, wow. Oh, no, actually the second Flying Colors plane. The first one was uh, Flying Colors of South America. Um, yeah, oh, so definitely cool. Google them if you can. Um, but that was obviously successful because as a marketing tactic, millions of people looked up at the sky and saw this wondrous work by a famous artist without having to pay a penny. Um, wow. So he was really proud of that. And of course, ironically, one of my accounts now as a social media manager is Braniff International, the Braniff Airways Foundation, which keeps the Braniff name alive. So it's come full circle. But any hoosers, um, I don't want to tread too far off the beaten path slash cross in certain Rubicons, I don't know, whatever the phrase or <laughs> the phrase is. Um, but unfortunately, he ended up going bankrupt two years before my birth because he had another ambitious idea. He's like, I'm going to create my own airline. It's called, it's going to be called East Hampton Air. It's going to ferry the affluent folks in the Hamptons to their South American villas. And unfortunately, something happened. I don't know if it was economic, um, but it, the whole idea just fell into the dumpster, became a total dumpster fire, and he ended up in $22 million worth of debt in 93, which is probably a lot more Wow, today. yeah, it's inflation kind of adjusted, it's a big number. I don't know what the number is, but lots of dollars. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, lots and lots of dollars, more dollars than um, the money pile in that Batman movie where the Joker is burning <laughs> all the money. It's essentially, that's what my dad did. He took a pile of cash and he just burned it all. Yeah. And then um, his wife absconded to California um, and took any valuables that, uh, you know, didn't make it into the, um, that weren't confiscated during the bankruptcy. Um, wow. Yeah. She was like, you lost your money. I'm skedaddling. So wow. my dad was really depressed and he, um, in 95 or 94, he um, met my mom and they had me. And that reminds me of that annoying uh, TikTok trending audio where it's like, and my man met my dad and then they had me. <laughs> Hi, my name is so-and-so and my life is kind of crazy <laughs> because I create so many TikTok videos. Like I post up to like 20 TikTok videos every day. I constantly have TikTok trending audios that take up my headspace, which is very, I feel like it's burning my brain cells, you know, like there's a furnace of brain cells and it's just TikToks literally um, just obstructing all of them. Um, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> is that your main service in your agency is on TikTok? Like you're a primarily TikTok agency or do you do a lot of different platforms? Oh, we do a lot of different platforms, but my specialty is a uh, short form video. And yeah, I'll just uh, accelerate because uh, then well, you'll a, you'll see. That's okay. It was just a fun question. Up. I was like, wow, 20 TikToks a day. That's a bunch. Oh, no. Yeah. And I have to do trend tracking too. So sometimes I have to watch up to 200 TikTok videos at a time, um, wow. especially if I'm doing a weekly uh, trend tracking list for all of my clients where I track general trends and I try to apply them to different clients because all my clients are in different niches. They're all over the place, oh. except I have like eight psychic medium clients. And I got into that niche because it's very easy to grow uh, psychic huh. medium accounts. Um, and that's predominantly because people are looking for that confirmation bias. They want to know what they're experiencing mm. is real. So they will go on TikTok and they'll see a psychic talking about how if you feel something on the back of your neck, it's spirit trying to connect to your subconscious. And they're like, oh my God, I feel stuff on the back of my neck all the time. Boom, a million views. It's mm. so easy. <laughs> so I, I went from one psychic metaphysical store account uh, to another. And now out of my 30 clients, like over a quarter of them or a quarter of them are psychic medium, Reiki practitioners, new age artists and uh, things like that. But um, yeah, anyway, so uh, I'll quickly say my dad went bankrupt. Um, I was initially, I moved into when I was born, the guest house of his former estate in Scarsdale. And then that got foreclosed by the time I was two. Um, then we moved into a single occupancy unit, which if you don't know that, what that is, that is a single room that you share other facilities with, with other people. So oh, wow. me, my mom, my dad were in a single room and my poor dad would sleep on the floor. So my mom and I could get the bed. And then from there, wow. we moved about 20 times throughout my whole childhood. And of course, my parents had a 32 year age difference. Um, but my dad was always a very loving father um he wasn't the best obviously with money and he made some unfortunate business decisions um but he actually related a lot to that character in the producer that scams all the little old ladies <laughs> he was a character but he was like the funniest person i ever met he was that person that would walk into a room and you would just feel his presence there all eyes would turn to him because he had such a big uh wonderful and charismatic personality um engaging personality which it makes sense for a marketer um and a salesperson. So he, <laughs> so yeah, we moved around a lot. Um, and unfortunately my dad was diagnosed with dementia um, and or Parkinson's mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. At first we didn't really know what the diagnosis was when I was 10. Um, and unfortunately he made more additionally bad business decisions with any like mm -hmm. lingering money he had like social security and stuff. Um, so 
he degenerated quickly. We later found out it was Lewy body dementia. And that was really challenging for me because my dad was the stay at home dad when I was growing up. Um, mm. Now I look back and I see he was doing all these little marketing exercises with me. Uh, for instance, he would pick up a Coke can and be like, sell this to me. Um, or we'd sit outside grocery stores and just like judge people, but it wasn't in like a malicious way. We would create stories <laughs> and assumptions about them, but we would say, oh yes, you see her, um, her husband is cheating with that woman over there. And we'd even do that in graveyards too. Like my dad, when I was three, would take me into graveyards and he'd have me calculate um, how old a person was when they died. Um, and then we'd create stories about like what the potential circumstances were. And I realized now it was all him trying to generate that creative thought process of seeing something, making an association, a unique association, and making that entity even more engaging. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was a stay-at-home dad. We were extremely close. He was very nurturing. Um, he was my best friend. And so it was very challenging growing up, uh, especially my mom uh, was later on dis social security disability because she's a psychologist and one of her patients tried to kill her in 2009, oh I think. Goodness. So she's been on disability since then. So it was just like we were living with friends for a while in between uh, different rentals. Like I had a very unstable upbringing. And then um, unfortunately, my dad had to be hospitalized. By the time I was 15, he lost the ability to walk and talk. And then when I was 17, he passed away. And during that time, my mom was really pushing me into dance. Um, so I started dancing uh, when I was young on and off um, until the age of about 15, which is when I became a conservatory student at the Ailey School, the, the official school of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. And my mom would take my take me by the bun, literally, and drag me into ballet class because I hated it so much. I thought it was boring. I had one teacher who bit me on the back of the knee um, because I wasn't straightening it enough. I mean, and all the Russians screaming, you weak <laughs> at me or, you know, you're weak. Uh, just you begin developing all these complexes at a young age, especially I didn't have a ballet body. I'm considered like shorter and bulkier. I'm not long and light and ethereal. Um, so I also tried the modern dance route for a while, um, but I ended up in ballet. My mom, after my dad got sick, I was, or it was just me and my mom. So she pushed me into dance. I'm this pre-professional student and I feel like my pathway to a sense of stability is dance. So even though I didn't love dance, I decided to go get my BFA in it. And then it became my identity and I couldn't think of mm. not being a dancer, um, even yeah. though I still wasn't in love with it, especially when I got to college and I was grieving my dad's death and I, I was having so many mental health issues um, for the um, predominantly for the first time in my life, like severe anxiety and depression, um, even some um, substance abuse stuff in college. Um, and then I got out of college and I struggled to get a dance job because like I said, I don't have the ideal body type. Uh, I don't, I guess maybe in my soul, I didn't love ballet and I wasn't picking up corrections as quickly as I should have. I was really mm -hmm. bad at picking up repertory. I had some horrible habits, like my ribs sticking out. Uh, I didn't have, you know, amazing natural turnout, or I can't, I couldn't even really lift my arabesque above 90 degrees, which as a professional dancer, that's 100% a requisite. Um, so I was also not like the best dancer ever, but eventually I was hired. Um, and I'm happy that I was because uh, it would have been sad if I'd gone on, gotten a degree in student debt, just to not get into yeah, a dance true. company. So I had some hope at that point, like maybe I'm finally, I made it as a professional dancer and maybe I'll finally feel that sense of fulfillment, but we were only paid minimum wage um, for only like three hours of rehearsing, even though we'd be there for like six 
hours and sometimes up to like 12 hours during um, days with shows or dress rehearsals and stuff like that. Uh, and when I started in my company, I was an unpaid trainee. And of course, my mom's on disability. So it wasn't like uh, we had all this money to be able to sustain me being um, a dancer um, at that low pay rate and actually non-existent payment rate. Um, so these two ladies, well, first, uh, this local studio, studio owner was like, oh, hey, um, you can help me with some admin stuff because I was looking for local work to do. So I did that. I suggested she change the name of her studio. Um, and I created an Instagram page for it under the new name. And then she ended up, uh, we ended up getting and garnering 600 new followers or 600 followers. I mean, the whole page was nascent, it was new, um, within a week. And that caught the eye of her friend Anita and her acting partner, Marilyn. So Anita Salvate and Marilyn Matrice. And uh, Marilyn reached out to me and she's like, oh, hey, can you get us followers like you did for our, our other friend and my response was I don't buy followers <laughs> like I don't I won't do that and she's like no no we want you to actually like be on our accounts and run them to help us get mm. followers and I was like oh okay so I downloaded TikTok I, this was in 2019 so it's been a little over three years um and I posted a video of them in character so there are characters are Patty and Patty they're Italian American caricatures so you should look them up they're hilarious and I posted the video and it got 200,000 views within like the first week. Um, and that was our, and then I was kind of off to the races after that. And they were at over 100,000 within a year and less than a year. And they then they were at 500,000. And now they're at 840,000 on TikTok and 150,000 on Instagram and 20,000 on Facebook. And they get $1,000 per sponsored video. So wow. they're actually making supplemental income from, you know, their side characters. And they actually had those characters for 10 years and they didn't get a fraction of the number of views. Um, they didn't blow up until I kind of got involved. And then from there, other people were like, oh, hey, can you help me with my social media? Um, and I was like, okay, sure. And it's a bit ironic because my dad would always tell me like, oh, you're going to go into marketing because you're so much like me. And I was like, no, that's boring. I'm not gonna do that. I wanna <laughs> have a desk job. Yeah. Um, so I had no inkling that this was gonna be my life, but it just snowballed until I now I'm now at 30 clients, including wow. corporations, small businesses, nonprofits, other creators. It's just wild. So anyway, that's my long spiel. Oh, that's I hope um, everyone has like a nice glass of wine after that, if you haven't already. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a powerful story because I think that uh, just the destiny that it seems like you had to go into marketing and the, the genetic predisposition maybe um but it was a long road and I mean, how does it feel to be making the transition like i know i started off in engineering and then i thought i might be a catholic priest and then i thought i might be a catholic monk and i lived in jamaica for a little while and then in chile and now i just work at a marketing agency and i love it right i feel like it's where god has me but how does it feel for you to make those big transitions over just a few short years yeah. Oh, and what's wild is I was um, doing the social media work on the side while dancing, while performing professionally. Oh, yeah. That was how I was supplementing my dance. Um, and I still wasn't even earning that much because, um, for instance, in 2020, I only had like two social media accounts. And then 2021, I had about six. And then, of course, now I have 30. Um, so I was actually I was on Medicaid. I got on Medicaid in 2021, I think. Yeah. Um, because I was making um under like a certain amount, which a very I was earning overall a very low amount. And I was undercharging like all of my clients. Um, yeah. 
because I, I'm a dancer, so I'm used to kind of being exploited. So working for very low pay. So for me, it was so exciting, like, oh, $20 an hour. That's so great. Even though like now I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, Chloe, uh, a summer child, <laughs> you green child, you. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was I ended up on. And it's funny. The reason I mentioned that is I'm locked into Medicaid for two years. I can't get out of it, even though now I earn, you know, over five times the maximum for Medicaid. And so that's yeah. only been in like a year and it's been really just this wild ride. And now I've gotten a chance to travel um, the world filming clients. And uh, I always thought I'd travel the world as a dancer, like in touring companies. Um, but the social media has given me an opportunity. I love, well, number one, I love filming my clients. I have so much fun doing it. A 30 minute filming session often becomes like a two hour one because we usually <laughs> hang out. We come up with all these other ideas. I'll bring my trends list and I'll be like, okay, do this one goofy TikTok ephemeral trend. And then it'll lead on to um, like this, you know, it'll be a quirky trend. And by the end of the two hours, we'll have felt um, filmed like a very heart wrenching raw <laughs> evergreen story time that people can relate to. I mean, uh, the, we film the whole gamut. We just come up with endless ideas. And I love that. Like last night, I filmed a client performing The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in Terrytown. Uh, Jonathan Crook, he's a master storyteller. So it was a one man rendition. Um, wow. and it was wonderful. And I get to I'm going I'm skedaddling over to Egypt and Kuwait um, to film a musician client. Um, in, a, in actually in a week, I'm going to be gone for a month. And then I went to the Con Film Festival with a client. So like in terms of transitioning from dance, uh, I've just, I'm actually the happiest I've ever been. I think, mm. like you said, um, you feel like you're finally in the right place. Like uh, marketing never occurred to me, ironically, like because of my dad as a career option, uh, especially because my mom really pushed me into dance. And I now look back and I see she thought that was the best thing for me. Um, but perhaps it wasn't. Perhaps I needed that chance to explore other interests and things like that. Um, my director was incredibly hard on me. Uh, <laughs> in short, in our last rehearsal, you know, she said I was lazy because I wasn't picking up a correction fast enough or applying it fast enough. Um, stubborn because I fell off my shoe and she accused me of changing steps in rehearsal. Um, and uh, developing a muffin top. And I started laughing awkwardly when she said that. And then she's like, oh, it's not funny. You're usually the one that has the best abs in this company. Well, like, what's wrong with you? Kiss a buffet. Um, so I, it was a very toxic environment. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting because of the uh, power dynamics, like how much things have changed and how much uh, the way I respect myself has changed. So I'm finally mm -hmm. charging what I'm worth. I'm not, I don't accept anything other than that because it just breeds resentment. And yeah. just the quality of my life is so much different. And I can honestly say when I, um, in my last performance, in my last Nutcracker performance, I finally felt like a professional dancer. Like I'd been told mm. um, for years, like I was easily replaceable, that I was like horrible, um, that I should be grateful for even being accepted into the company when no one else wanted me. Um, and I just kept working so hard. And then I'd always still get that constant negative feedback. I never really got to... Um, experience the fruits of my labor. But in my last Nutcracker show, it had been three years I'd been in the company. I, my director had been really hard on me. I felt like my technique was at its strongest ever as a result. Um, and I had a really strong string of performances. So I feel like I get to leave dance 
saying I reached my peak, which is really special. So now I can transition into this new and even more exciting chapter of my life. So sorry, I tend no, to rant and ramble. <laughs> that's exciting. I think that, you know, it, it's nice too. I always felt like God had me like in one place and I got to finish and we get to move on to the next one. Right. And that's really cool. So with your marketing agency now, right, you, is it only you? Do you, I know you have 20, 30 clients. How many do you have? Uh, I have 30 and they're all in different niches, uh, ranging from, you know, a Bollywood actress uh, whose father is a Nobel Prize winner uh, to, a, you know, wildlife rescue um, in India that's featured in All That Breathes, to print shops, uh, <laughs> to event planners, um, just like uh, Airbnb operating systems, <laughs> everything. Wow. Um, and so right now I, it is a one woman agency, which is kind of interesting. Um, it, I mean the scale of what i'm doing is rather insane so i often work uh for up to 16 hours a day as evidenced oh by my phone use time um whenever i get the notification it's usually on a sunday of my phone usage like the reflection it's like oh you used your phone for 14 hours a day on average it was 20 percent <laughs> lower than the week before i was like yay progress <laughs> and i know that because uh whenever i'm working i'm usually on my phone because if I ever have time off working, my phone is the last thing I want in my hand. And another kind of irony is that I hate social media. And yeah. um, <laughs> Sarita Shootery, I got into a conversation with her at one of my clients' events. She was in the recent um, Sex in the City reboot. Um, I was like, oh, I noticed you created an Instagram. HBO must have made you create an Instagram to promote the show. And she's like, oh, I hate it. And I was like, oh, I hate it too. And she's like, wow, that's what makes you a good social media manager because you don't get sucked in. Yeah. Uh, you just see it like I see it as a tool and there's nothing better um, than when I see a client go viral, especially like my nonprofit or small business clients. Um, yeah. I get the same dopamine rush. So uh, and it's I love seeing and hearing them say, wow, you know, I was just so lost before I found you. I was about to give up, like mm. especially a lot of my clients are older and they just have no idea what to do in terms of social media. And there's yeah. this major vacuum. Um, wherein small business owners specifically, they can't afford the nice PR firms or the nice yeah. larger social media marketing agencies um, that corporations can, but they still need help. So what they often do is either they post themselves when they're overworked and they don't really understand the dynamics yeah. of the platforms. And sometimes, you know, they're Gen Xers and boomers and they're, they really just like with TikTok, they're like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and then, or they delegate it to someone who has like no social media management experience, uh, one of their employees. Um, and sometimes, yeah, uh, naturally they'll do well, which is fantastic. But other times they don't know how to really strategize or audit. Um, they don't know how to trend track. They don't understand, like, you need to have a successful viral video. It has to fall into the three E's. Um, you know, it, it has to be empowering, educational, or entertaining. Um, video, and uh, I'd like, so you asked earlier um, if I have accounts on other platforms. So TikTok is kind of my main platform, as well as uh, Instagram and Facebook now with Reels. Well, actually, all of them now, because all of them have short-form video. My specialty is short-form video, which has kind of taken over, and that's why... I'm in such high demand. I have a wait list of four people right now on my um, potential client list where like I have one person who's like, please let me know when something opens up. Um, and it's because, and, and people are really frustrated with like, for instance, the Instagram updates um, specifically mm -hmm. and the, the meta updates with reels. Um, 
but short form video is the current currency on social media. Like that's how yeah. you are discover, um, you know, discoverable organically. A lot of my small business accounts, they don't have $2,000 to drop on an inorganic ad campaign and yeah. they want to develop a loyal organic following who will come to their events and buy their products, et cetera. Um, and they used to just be able to post like a nice photo of their products and then, oh, it performs pretty well. Um, and nowadays they do that. And those feed posts uh, tend to get, you know, views in the double digits. So they have to utilize reels and then they get really lost and they start creating these reels that are just simply not engaging. Um, they don't understand that whole concept of watch time retention or creating context within a video I'm trying to sh compress a video enough that it, it's engaging the whole time. So, yeah, I, I don't even, <laughs> I don't remember uh, what the initial question was with that one, but we went off the roller coaster. I think we had a good time on that roller coaster. So, no, that is it. It's so curious. I got a lot of questions about short form video in general, but it's one of the agency structure questions that is always interesting is like, um, you know, people have different problems sometimes. Sometimes it's like, I can't get enough clients. Sometimes it's like, I get too many clients. Sometimes it's, I work all day, or it sounds like you're more in the, I get plenty of clients and I work a lot category. What's the, what's like, you know, if you're projecting out 12 months or, or if you're projecting out a couple of years, where do you see your agency going? Right. We, yeah, well, and what's interesting is nowadays I can just walk into a store and pick up a client. Like usually I'll just be like, hey, are you on social media? And then I'll take a peek at their Instagram and I'll be like, oh, I have a few suggestions. Do you want to have a free consult? And then I usually scoop them up as a client or they get added to the wait list because um, especially with my small business clients, uh, their work isn't, particularly now when we're in this um, upcoming recession, um, their work isn't guaranteed, their business isn't guaranteed. So sometimes yeah. we have to pause. For instance, uh, one of my clients, she took me on and then to help revitalize her business. And that's often what I'm doing. Usually people take me on when they're out of other options. And she's like, I'm sorry, Chloe, it's too late. I had to sell it. So then we had to put the mm. account on pause. So that's why it's good for me to always have a small business wait list um, so I can pull from it if another account gets paused. So there's always one replacing the other. It's like yeah. constant juggling and constant onboarding. Like I usually onboard on average a client per week and I have up to four consults per week. Um, so I'm definitely, I fall into that latter category. Uh, I think in 12 months, um, it's weird because I never, of course, I never considered myself going into marketing or having my own agency. So a lot of what I'm doing is just winging it. And I think that's also what a yeah. lot of us are doing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> And I know I have uh, a bit of an, of imposter syndrome because I don't have that communications mm. degree. I don't have that business degree, um, but I have the artist background. So um, I try with short form video and also just any post, including carousel posts, graphics, et cetera, just to make them as loud and obnoxious as possible. Because uh, <laughs> That's what my dad would always say. He said, you have to create something that people will remember. And people on average swipe away within the first two seconds. So you need that important oh, wow. hook and it's almost like I imagine it uh, when I'm doing a piece like uh, the Chinese divert in a cracker. So that is a short, like one minute and 50 second piece slash variation. Um, and it's just usually jumps and tricks. And it's uh, I'm sure holiday lovers, you know what I'm referring to. Um, and it, it captures people's attention. Like it's some people get bored during the ballet, but they wouldn't get bored during that piece. And it's the same thing on social media. It's all about just throwing things at the wall, finding what sticks, and then repeating that same format. So initially trial and error. Um, so, 
any Hoosers, <laughs> um, uh, in 12 months, um, I hope that perhaps I can hire some help. Um, of course, I started this whole thing with nothing but an iPhone 8, I think, and then I upgraded to an iPhone 11 because I needed a better camera a year in. And now I'm at an iPhone 13 Max Pro, which has been like a life godsend with its, uh, I think it has a terabyte of data. I used oh, to have to yeah. go through my phone and delete content for 30 minutes every day oh, to clear data on my 11. Because I take up to a thousand photos and videos every day usually. Yeah, or I edit um, with all the edits. Yeah, because you get a, um, a lot of the duplicate posts uh, saved, you know, on TikTok when you post. So overall, it is about a thousand new photos and videos every wow. day. Um, but I'd love to be able to hire some sort of help, especially a business manager uh, and perhaps some assistance. Because if I did that, uh, you know, that then they could do things that take up a lot of my time that I don't particularly love, <laughs> like the mm -hmm. report facts. So all the um, data analysis, um, the invoices and the other general admin stuff on um, scheduling onboarding sessions, also scheduling posts, making sure um, that all posts are posted um, correctly because I am one person and I post um, over 60 times a day um, because I have 30 clients. Each one has at least one uh, social media account, but most of them have up to four or five. Most of them are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, Twitter, and YouTube. So it comes out to like an obscene number of accounts. And my thing is I post every day because I believe in quality consistency. So a frequency in which uh, the algorithm can send people your way to your page and be like, okay, we can trust them. They're going to post again and like the next day versus the algorithm being like, oh, well, they're not very active on the platform. Let's not send people their way because we're not sure, um, you know, if they're going to remain active or not and actually keep people engaged on the platform. Because mm -hmm. the whole goal, of these algorithms, as you know, and uh, as marketing folks know, is to keep people addicted, like crack on your phone. <laughs> um, and so the creators that the and accounts that they're going to promote are the ones that keep people engaged and have the longest watch time. <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. So, yeah, I would try and find people to do all that stuff so I could really focus on creative problem solving. Like, uh, for instance, with my um, new corporate client, I've been taken on almost like with my dad in Eastern Airlines to change this extremely negative sentiment um, and uh, create a new brand, a new image for them. Um, and it's going to be a challenge and I would love to have time to actually like think yeah. and have brainstorming sessions very much like they do on SNL, how they have the creative team uh, meetings every week. I'd love to have time to do things like that um, and to film and to just that's like I said, that's what I love. I love coming up with ideas, bringing those ideas into reality and then seeing uh, hopefully <laughs> um, seeing them hopefully be successful. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. I think it's a crazy thing as an agency owner because you start and you have to do everything, right? Where you're like, okay, if it's going to get done, I have to do it. But a lot of times it's not that we love doing everything or even that we're good at doing everything. And it sounds really, I'm really impressed that you figured out what thing you're good at already um, because it's it's kind of hard for people to let go sometimes and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not good at the scheduling portion or uh, yeah, what I really offer is blank. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that's a cool thing. So let me, let me get, make sure I got it straight though, just for your listeners, 12 months from now, you'd be like, Hey, the ideal world. I have some employees, maybe they are paid per project. Maybe they're paid. Like I always am a fan of keeping fixed expenses down because Hey, stuff happens. Right. And if you can have people that are on a project basis versus 
you know, a, having a full-time salary, I feel like it just goes way better, but having, you would like to be doing more creative stuff. Like, Hey, that your, your ideas are really the lifeblood of the agency. I imagine. And you're like, oh, I'd like to focus on that more. Uh, yeah. Cause that's especially when I'm able to um, take those ideas and edit videos and create all these drafts and then choose from the best and strategize when to post them. That's when my accounts perform the best. And I'm the first one to admit yeah. when I'm overwhelmed, that's when the account numbers go down um, yeah. because I can't focus in and hone in on the accounts as much as I should. Uh, and I've created a bit of a tiered system. So a triage system. So my tier one clients are like, you know, the corporations and small businesses um, that rely on me the most, that pay me the most. Um, underneath is like tier two, which are the smaller small businesses. And then underneath that tier three are the nonprofits. So in terms of, I try to prioritize every day based on those. So as a result, every day I don't finish all my work. And yeah. um, I'm sure many people listening can relate to the frustration. I want to pull out the little amount of hair I have left, <laughs> um, especially yeah. as like, you know, a type A person who likes to uh, make sure everything's done before they go to bed. I mean, I, I won't even eat dinner until I'm done working. So I usually eat dinner um, at 12 or 1 uh, a.m. When I eat it at 8 p.m., I consider that early. Um, so, but anywho, and I, well, I do have um, my best friend I've enlisted because I often use them as a model in my videos. And that's another thing. So like with my corporate client, um, there's a larger budget. So I get to hire actors and actresses, which is oh, really exciting um, because I usually have to be the face of many of my accounts. And it's funny because sometimes people will recognize me. So they'll be like, aren't you the TikTok girl? Um, oh wait, you're the copy center girl. You're the print shop girl. And <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of it because I feel like I'm not the best representative for them. I feel like, um, you know, ideally you'd want someone um, with an active role in the company or the owner themselves, but oftentimes they don't have time or, you know, they're reluctant to show their face. They might be self-conscious. So it's really exciting. The idea of having actors and actresses for the first time and having an unlimited budget. It's like, you know, a kid at a candy shop. Um, but uh, my best friend uh, has been modeling for me to get that B-roll footage, especially for reels because uh, reels is more aesthetic. Um, and while I'm away, um, they're going to be capturing my in-person uh, clients, the in-person filming sessions, um, which is very kind of them. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have um, consistent uh, employees or like you said, more like project-based contractors um, who could help me. But yeah, the largest concern is, um, and it's one of my clients is actually an angel investor of all things. Um, I don't even have time to do that business admin stuff involved in that involves trying to cater to investors or creating um, an overall business plan or business proposals or applying for any sort of um, business grants, especially maybe for young female business owners. Um, so it kind of becomes this feedback cycle in which I get so yeah. focused in and I don't even focus on my own accounts. Like uh, also my uh, company director, she was a bit dictatorial. Uh, she would monitor my social media accounts. Um, so for instance, if I wasn't posting enough dance related things, she'd be like, oh, Paul, you're posting too many yoga things. And she hated that I was doing social media work. She's like, you would be a better waitress. Why are you doing the social media stuff? It's ruining your posture. It's ruining your focus. Um, so anywho, because she she was even critical. I posted an image of my dad from World War II for Veterans Day. And she's like, oh, you know, we all had grandparents and parents in World War II. You're not special. You just wanted attention. And mm -hmm. so it made me a bit afraid to post even back then. 
But um, so I've also noticed that I've allowed my own brand um, to kind of self decimate because I've been so focused on others. So I finally yeah. am trying to get more active on like LinkedIn and stuff. Um, but that's another thing. I hope to have like an actual real brand and social media marketing agency. And ideally, I want to find a way to fill this vacuum for small businesses because they know that nowadays they have to be on social media, especially, I don't know if you saw TikTok has this new update where it's a nearby feature. Um, so mm. people can search for posts just based on post things posted around them. And of course, TikTok is becoming more of an SEO Google-like thing uh, with 40% of Gen Zers using TikTok now uh, instead of Google when looking up a place for reviews and stuff. Um, so my small business owners are like, yeah, we have to get on this. Like uh, if we want to reach out to Gen Zers, um, like especially coffee shops and things like that. They're like, so, but they're like, I have no idea what to do. I've owned this business for 30 years. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know, is Tic Tac that candy? <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's an interesting progression because you're talking about the, the difficulty of making the jump from like, hey, here's me doing everything to, okay, here's, me doing the most important things, doing sales. I think of an agency as like a few categories, right? There's like sales, marketing, fulfillment. So like actually doing the thing and then the general admin. And I I feel like it's a difficult step because a lot of times what I see happen is you'll go from everything, you're all four categories to like, all right, I'm gonna have somebody else do part of fulfillment, but I'm still gonna do sales. I'm still gonna do marketing or I'm just gonna skip marketing, right? Like a lot of us don't do marketing for ourselves. And I'm going to do all the admin stuff. And the hard thing, um, eventually you get to a point where you're like, wow, I have somebody to do all of these things and I do none of it. Or, you know, of one guy, he was a client, early client. And he has a, I don't know, billion, maybe 500 million to billion dollar a year uh, publishing company. And he works as a writer. He's an individual writer. He doesn't, I mean, I'm sure he does it in the management too, but he's like an employee in his own business. Um, I think it was a, a tough headspace switch for me too to be like, wow, I don't have to do everything. In fact, and maybe like I shouldn't be a CEO just because I'm a founder and my co-founder like doesn't mean I should be the CEO. And I wonder where it'll be really fun to have you back on the show in like a year or two years and say, hey, what are you, what's your role now? Right. Because I think if you can cross that chasm of I'm gonna make less profits in the short term, because it's like so one guy, Sebastian Marshall, has this really fun podcast talking about the J curve, where like gets worse before it gets better. And I feel like if we can get a little bit worse in profits, then it like starts to get a lot better because you now you hire somebody that is going to work on each project and you lose a little bit per project, but you can do five times as many projects or something. Um, but yeah, it's a, it just is a, I, I really am impressed with how you've been able to make so many strides by yourself. It's a, been a lot of progress. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, yeah, and it, it's really interesting, the idea of me not being so hands-on. I think it's also the dancer background because I'm used to rehearsing and dancing for hours and hours a day and that conservatory training of everything has to be perfect. So I, yeah. it is easy for me to be a workhorse. And I know I've sacrificed any sort of work-life balance. Um, I wish I was going out, you know, clubbing um, every Friday night and enjoying the waning years of my 20s because I am <laughs> entering um, the potential gray hair years of my 30s, which I'm sure I will go gray because of all this like stress and constant working. But it's interesting hearing from uh, your experience um, how that 
yes, taking that temporary loss in the end, it just makes your whole work uh, sort of easier and more fulfilling. Um, but I would certainly have to budget it in. My, and I'd love to come back in a year or two and see kind of where I land. Um, it's, it was also a bit symbolic. Uh, so um, this guy I'm dating, he was visiting from Britain and uh, I decided to get us a helicopter, one of those helicopter tours um, yeah. around New York um, because it was his first time here. And I purchased the tickets and I was just thinking like, I'm so grateful because just, you know, not that long ago, I, my account was in negative $35 because I'd overdrafted it. Yeah. Um, I was going to food pantries and, you know, my mom and I were living with friends and stuff. So to go from that and also I was dancing still every day, like using any money I had for open classes, for physical therapy, for leotards. I mean, because being a dancer, it's expensive. And I was lucky when huh. I earned $500 a month from my company because we were so small. Um, so to go from that to now being this, you know, business owner and just um, going from, you know, earning below the poverty line to working class to middle class and then above, it's just been like a really mind boggling transition. And it's strange to like wrap my head around that. But I think the helicopter ride was a bit of a metaphor to how, mm. um, you know, I've gone from that ground level and I'm like slowly making my way up. <laughs> And you know, it's a, it's actually still a hard switch sometimes because I think that when we start, we're at this level of like every dollar, it doesn't matter if it's a good investment, I don't have a dollar to invest, right? So I need the cheapest thing just because I don't have the money to like invest in the better thing. And I feel like what slows down a lot of agency owners, which I've seen slow us down too, is it's hard to break out of that mindset where you're like, Oh, I couldn't possibly, I, I know even for us, like at coaching, we charge like 15,000 to $60,000 a year. And I thought like, oh my gosh, how could somebody pay that when I first started? And then, and then like, I looked at it, I was like, oh yeah, I paid coaches because it helped us grow. And it was like a good investment. So I can, I think it's a strange process though, because it, it's, it's almost harder when it happens quickly because it, it didn't give time I had an e-commerce company, a similar thing happened where it was like, wow, I'm a student, I make no money. And then you're getting checks that are really, you're like, wow, that's more money than some of my friends made in a year. And it's hard to know how to use it, right? So yeah, what's what are your business expenses or what are your business investments like? Is it mainly your phone and your, uh, like, yeah, what, do you, what, what does your business require from you? Because this is a really interesting area. Oh, yeah. And that's an interesting question. And um, oh, and I'll just quickly say, too. So another goal of mine, I'd love to either have 100 small businesses, small mm -hmm. business clients, not accounts. So that would probably be like, you know, 300 accounts overall on every platform. Yeah. Uh, but I'd love to either have like 100 small businesses one day or and or um, just like 20 corporations. So yeah. my so I fill that small business vacuum, but I it's almost like mixed use housing. So I have the corporations that bring in the most money and uh, you know, it's uh, for the least amount of time and energy and effort. I have yeah. my small businesses who I can help them, especially the brick and mortars um, and those with online businesses getting all those um, clicks and everything. Um, and then I'd love to make the nonprofits pro bono. Right now I have them at mm. a much lower rate, almost ha well, half of like, for instance, the corporate rate. Um, but one day when everything's settled, I would love, cause I have six nonprofit clients right now. Mm. I'd love for that to be all pro bono. So um, that's something I'm also striving for. Um, but in terms of expenses, so yeah, I don't have that many. Um, just my phone, 
uh, little tax deductible things, uh, my <laughs> iPad, my broken computer. Actually, my broken computer was, uh, I couldn't afford a computer two years ago. So one of my clients got it for me because I also write grants for them, the Braniff Airways Foundation uh, wow. client. And I'm, I, when I got it, I just started crying because I was like, oh my mm. God, this is like a life changer for me because I had my uh, used uh, $100 Google Chromebook that was like falling apart. <laughs> yeah. And I was so frustrated. I was like, ugh. Um, but I was like, I p was pulling out enough hair that it was like cousin its amount of hair essentially out of my head. Um, but uh, that was also a very strange um, attempt at a joke. But <laughs> um, anywho, um, and fresh books, which isn't a lot, you know, like $50 a month. Um, I use social boo, which is another way I save money. So with my uh, content scheduler, I can't afford something or traditionally I've been able to afford something like Hootsuite because I am considered an agency, even though I'm yeah. one person. Um, yeah. So it would be like over $1,000 a month. And that's also the case with Meltwater and a lot of these alternatives. I tried Loomly for a bit. So uh, for my universal poster and scheduler and content calendar uh, automator, social media automator, and it was fine. It was like $200 a month, but I was having a lot of like glitches and issues. And I was like, oh. so I found social boo. Um, they also have a lot, of, they, they have some uh, glitches and errors, but uh, they're only $70 a month uh, for 50. No, I, no, wait, I'll have to look it up again. Maybe they just raised it. Um, so no, I think I'm paying, I must be paying like a hundred to $150, maybe, well, $150 or below for <laughs> 70 accounts because I know the cap was 50, but they made this like custom plan for me oh, um, nice. where they brought it up to 70, um, recently cause I surpassed the 50 pretty quickly. And that's not even all of my accounts because I don't put things like TikTok on these schedulers. I do TikTok and reels manually. And that's another thing that takes a lot of time. So I can't schedule yeah. those. Yes, I can save them as drafts and I can create a general content calendar. Um, but so for instance, you know, I'll be traveling, I'll be on a date and be like, hold up one sec, hold that thought. <laughs> Posting um, something about don't be a shush on Patty and Patty's page. Shush is uh, like a Italian American slang word for jackass. Um, I've been running that account now for so many years that I can actually write and talk in the characters, um, like in their tenor, which is kind of interesting. Um, so there's that. And uh, of course, uh, we'll travel, but sometimes my clients will compensate me, of course, or they'll pay for my travel. Like, for instance, I'll be filming uh, my client when she's performing in Egypt um, on November 4th. So she's, uh, thank God, thankfully, she's covering that. Um, but in general mileage, that's pretty much. It, of my, I just bought this iPad. I'm hoping some of the things I want to budget in, uh, I want a stabilizer. Right now I have my tripod selfie stick. It's portable. It's the best thing I ever got. I take it literally with me everywhere. I feel like I'm, I'm going to be buried with it um, because you never know like when you're going to get that aesthetic B-roll footage. And it's kind of funny sometimes like I'll be um, you know, out for a walk in the park and then I'll see something really gorgeous. And all of a sudden um, I'm taking like all these crazy images of it or I'm doing stupid things in front of it. And then people look at me like, who is this like crazy person? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so uh, I'd love a stabilizer. I'd love a drone because um, I feel like a drone really uh, yeah. upped my game when it came to um, the more aesthetic, professional looking Instagram videos. Because of course on TikTok, um, it emerged because during COVID people were bored and they wanted things they could relate to. They were sick of seeing the Kardashians and their overly manicured, overly produced photos that were inaccessible. Um, so TikTok became uh, this new reigning king um, based on rawness, uh, authenticity and organic content. Um, of course, Instagram has always been more visual and produced. So I've noticed that 
in reels, um, they are far more produced, higher quality. Um, but uh, I know Instagram just uh, released their own tips for uh, marketers and reels um, where they where they say they think reels will be the number one place for storytelling on the app. So I feel like they're trying mm -hmm. to actually shift um, very much like Facebook Reels has already done. I'm sure you've noticed on Facebook Reels, you don't see the aesthetic videos suggested. You no. see, usually it's, for me, I, I get all the parenting things, which is very strange. It's like on YouTube Shorts, it's horrible. I watched one video um, about the Kardashians and it was like even a critical video of them. And now I get everything Kardashian. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm haunted. It's like what my psychic clients say. I must have manifested that into the world by watching the negative video of her. Um, so, but the, now it's becoming more story based, which is kind of interesting. So my theory with uh, reels, they're if they're really struggling, they have a fraction of the watch time and that TikTok has. I mean, they're doing badly, and I'm sure people have seen it. You see, you hear the same audios again and again for months. It's really horrible. Like think the idea of swiping through reels for longer than 15 minutes. Um, it makes my, like, would it would make me want to gouge my own eyes out. It, I'm so, especially with those passive aggressive small business <laughs> um, trending audios. Like, if you don't support my small business, then you're really, you know, an asshole, you know, whatever they are. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that's my theory uh, with reels. Um, and yeah, circling back. <laughs> um, so what was the original uh, prompt? It, it was it just hearing about your expenses because i think that yes. it's i think that you know you you probably run leaner than a lot of agencies right where if you wanted to buy a tripod or a stabilizer or a drone like just the little bit you've told us about your business like you could buy 10 tripods and 100 drones and you'd be fine right and uh, but there's that like mental switch that's hard to make of um how do you think you're gonna break out of some of these thought patterns right because i think that these are things that hold a lot of agency owners back and yeah how how are you going to break out of them because i think you've got such a big runway with the short form video yeah well and, and because as we discussed it's in such high demand now i mean i'm mm -hmm. literally being pulled everywhere one of my clients the, the copy center they printed out um i think it was 200 business cards for me and i gave them out um in less than three months like all of them so i have to get more from him actually before i go on my next overseas adventure. Um, so I think, uh, well, obviously the natural response is therapy. I also have a barter system with um, one of my psychic clients, uh, Jay Rose Apothecary, go check her out. She's fabulous. Um, she's my life coach, my psychic life coach slash client. She's been like that, I guess, almost for a year. Wow. Um, and in exchange for me managing her pages, she gives me these sessions and almost like business life coaching um, with the psychic twist. Um, so channeling my dad and stuff, which is interesting. Um, and so that is beneficial, I guess. I, and yeah, I would say it is beneficial um, having that person just to be like, Chloe, you know, everything will be okay. You're only yeah. going up from here, even if it's more just like affirmations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's that weird mental block when it comes to um, spending anything, especially above a thousand dollars, because in the yeah. past that would have been something. Because I earned seven thousand dollars dancing in 2021, and now I earn far above that every month, which yeah. is crazy. Um, yeah. So I would say maybe just taking baby steps too, as I'm doing, like I'm paying slowly but surely for more things. Um, and I think eventually, as I have a larger savings, um, I think uh, I'll be more willing. 
um, to make those expenditures. Um, yeah, I think I would say it's baby steps. Yeah, and that makes total sense. And this is actually a great time for our mid-roll thing of our advertisement. So this is a new thing we're doing on the show. We're advertising our agency hacker services. So I'm just gonna throw it in, then we can keep going. But the, yeah, Agency Hacker, we help agency owners and uh, coach them from going from like six figures to seven figures. That's the, if you make 10 million bucks, don't call Agency Hacker, right? Call I don't know who you call, but call somebody else. If you make $600,000, call Agency Hacker if you want to get to a million. And the um, really interesting thing is that we've had to work, work through the mental blocks that kept us down. So go Agency Hacker. That's your pitch. Oh, yeah, go to agencyhacker.io to learn more. Da -da 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 our commercial is going to improve for sure i'm sure but now that's that's a really interesting um method the baby steps one i think thinking in frameworks too can be really helpful whereas like like you know you do fresh books for your accounting right yeah that's it i i feel like that's a big step the fact that you already have it accounted for and what would you be what would be your ideal amount of time to work in a day if you were going to pick like, hey, I want to work four hours and have four hours of sleeping. I don't know what you want to do with the other eight hours or whatever, but what, what would be your ideal time to work in the day? Um, well, because I'm a masochist, I'd always, well, I work every day too, because I have to post every day currently. So, and um, a light day for me is like 12 hours of work. That's like a day off almost. And it's really sad. Like when I am trying to do anything special, um, I, I try and schedule. And that's the other reason I'd love to have assistants because then they could be the ones dealing with that. So I could actually have time off. So ideally I'd love to have at least one day off per week. Um, I still would want to work because I'm one of those people, I think maybe it also comes from my background and not having a lot of financial stability or being a dancer. I feel like I always have to like push myself. And it's interesting because my mm. top correction was that I'm too tense because when I dance, I put too much energy into mm. it. Like I went too hard and even hard on myself because I was like, okay, well, if I do this, then, you know, I'll be great. I'll finally make it and I'll be happy and fulfilled and all that jazz pun intended, um, because of jazz dancing. Um, but ultimately that didn't work um but there is that part of me still and that's another blockage where um and i'm sure a lot of uh, agency owners experience the same thing where they can't take they can't take a break like you always feel like if i try and take yeah. even an hour off and my poor mother really wants to watch hocus pocus too and i was like i probably won't have time to watch it before i leave on october 11th which is really sad yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and i was like you know even being able to sit down and watch that film during the whole time i would be worried i'm sure my phone would go off um i do do one thing so i do an acro yoga class every friday um at 6 15 locally and that's my one time where like my phone is off for like an hour or two um but usually when that happens um i come back and there's often like 20 notifications because i get over 200 notifications every day so it's it's a lot but yeah ideally i'd love to have at least one day off maybe two um and work maybe like six hours or seven hours almost yeah. maybe maybe eight hours that would be great so i still feel that fulfillment of being able to like work and being productive but also having like some time to myself to actually enjoy being a human and it's interesting because one of the reasons i'm often hired is my focus is i don't like pages looking too clinical so there's this over reliance mm. especially with canva to have these graphics taking yeah. over instagram pages um and essentially the idea of graphics so videos with too much exposition videos that aren't engaging on TikTok, um and reels etc and shorts um and what i do is i don't like 
things looking clinical. I like things looking really fun and engaging and human. So that's what I do. I come into, I take over small business pages or corporate pages. Um, and I just, I show the humanity so people can experience that relatability and be drawn in. Um, but it's interesting for myself. I can't do the, the human thing and actually be a human. Well, I think you're going to be on an exciting journey and really like, yeah, it's, it's been so fun to have you on to share about your journey so far and to hear more about like what things you're working on to get to the next stage. Um, if people wanted to contact you, if say they're like, oh, this Chloe seems like a great, great person to manage our TikTok short form video accounts, uh, how would they get in touch with you? What's the best way to contact you? Oh, yeah, they can go to um, thedigitaldancer.com. So I put the the in front because Digital Dancer was taken. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah and my clients uh, range from, I do influencer marketing too, if they need any assistance with yeah. that. I've been doing that for three years with Patty and Patty. One of my it's, uh, current influencer marketing clients, I won't say who they are, but they're a Fox News host, and it's ironic because I'm a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually gotten along really well, surprisingly. <laughs> um, he's really awesome behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, I do every niche. I've been in the even the smoke shop cannabis niche. <laughs> I would have to go through um, my phone to see all the others, but there I can basically promote. And that's another reason a lot of people hire me is that I can take a trend and I can adapt it for different accounts, or I can look at an account and find a unique thing um, that makes them pop out. Um, so anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter your industry. If um, you need any help, I can try and, cre- well, no, I'm going to manifest because that's what my psychic clients told me to do. I will create the time for you because I will hire assistants. Mm, there you go. I think you're, I think you're really going to be, I don't know, a creative whirlwind that just comes at these clients' problems. So Chloe, thanks so much for coming on the show. It has been really exciting to hear about where you came from, where you've gotten to. And yeah, we can't wait to have you back on again and hear where you make it to. Yes, thank you so much. And you're so awesome. And this is such a privilege for me. It's so cool. I really appreciate it. And thanks for all who listened. Um, Yeah, definitely have a wondrous rest of your day. I hope you're not as stressed as I am. (laughs) Yeah, no promises there. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, just as a plug, we're always looking for agency owners. So if you're an agency owner that you make between $100,000 and $1 million a year, come on the show. We want to hear what you're working on. You can go to agencyhacker.io and you'll see a link um, to submit yourself to come on the show. We just want to talk to interesting agency owners and have fun like we did today with Chloe. All right, everybody. This is Lance Johnson. I'm one of the coaches at Agency Hacker. Have a great day.